0: So, uh, if you're back for the first time in a while, I'm Terry Bone, and I am the interim pastor here while Pastor Chris is on sabbatical, and I'm happy to let you know that I haven't heard from him at all, (laughs) which means things are going well for him and for us, and we're thankful for that. Uh, If you're listening online, I'm going to challenge you this morning uh, to... Only do one thing at a time, okay? The dishes, they'll clean themselves later. The laundry, it, you know, it'll just magically get folded. And um, whatever else you may be trying to do at the same time. Because today we're going to need to put on our thinking caps a little. We're going to do a deep dive into scripture. Going to come back and and make a very practical application. Then we're going to wrap up everything next week with... Uh, uh, a Father's Day message. That's kind of a, a postscript to everything that we've been saying, and uh, and we will have some baby dedications at the beginning of the service, just uh, before the service goes online and begins. But we're. Um, I've had a had an. I'm going to say it now, uh, just to cat, catch your interest. You know how preachers, like, tell a little funny joke at the beginning, or ask a question or something to get your attention. And so I don't have one of those this morning, but I have a little God story. So um, turn to someone and say, you're going to hear a God story, okay? Tell, tell someone that, okay. So uh, hopefully every family unit that's here, you got some notes, because there's some notes we're going to go into Uh, because there's a little bit of too much information. Uh, I'm going to ask you not to read them just yet. I knew as soon as I said that, you know, (laughs) lost 50% of the people. Every teacher in the house knows that one. You give out the notes at the moment, you're going to say them or else, you know, they're gone. But I know you're more mature than that. So here's the God story. Um, I want to talk about uh, Satan today, and I want to talk about the spiritual realm, the spiritual world, what it looks like and what are the what's a primer, what are the basics that we need to know. And uh, this would be better done in a half day seminar, but we're we're gonna tackle it today and give give the bare outlines. But as I, I was praying and prepared and came down here last night and and even in the office this morning I'm I'm just saying, Lord, I'm I'm trusting you that that this is the right message. And I'm going to be using Psalm 8 uh, at one and just to pull out a couple of truths. And so I was crossing the lobby, and Robin wouldn't let me cross the lobby without buying a book. So uh, I bought two last week. I only had time to read one, so what I need is three more books. So I picked up one by Philip Yancey, opened up to a random page, and there he is explaining Psalm 8 the same way I was going to do it this morning. Isn't it amazing how random evolution can do that? (laughs) The accidental collision of molecules over billions of years has just guided my life so well and so precise. We thank God that he's involved in the little things. So when when that happens, I've learned to take notice. It's like when Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. There are moments when God has something to say. We just need to tune in and tune out other things and just say, okay, what is this new bit of info that's going to help my life? So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that. Even a few minutes ago, you just confirmed this is a special moment for us to learn something new. And I pray that you'd open our eyes and our ears. We come against every spirit that would oppose what you're doing today, confusion, uh, and other ways the enemy would try to oppose your work. And we invite you, as Jesus prayed, your kingdom come now, your rule, your reign, your authority, the clarity of light Penetrating darkness would come into our minds. And if you agree with that, you're allowed to say amen. Amen. Okay. Three ways in which the kingdom of God grows. We are in the uh, series on the kingdom of heaven. We use this uh, analogy of a muffin with with the rising agent, baking powder, baking is it baking powder or baking soda? I never get those uh, straight. Uh, a yeast. I know it's yeast, but my wife says you don't put yeast in muffins. I don't know. I don't bake them. I just eat them. But uh, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like yeast. It's worked inward, and then it expands whatever it's worked into. And so when, when the imperishable kingdom seed, the word of God, comes in you and Like in Colossians, it says, it's always growing and increasing ever since the day you understood it in God's grace. When the grace of God, the message we sung about today is understood, then it starts to change you from the inside out. And we rise upward in worship and prayer, and we rise outward in witness. So today is part two of two. We talked about worship, musical worship last week. The power of a song and how it can open heaven over our lives and in our meetings together. And I I am sure that today something bad kind of fell off somebody here, if I could say that. I think your soul and my soul had a little bit of a cleansing and a washing in worship today. Wouldn't you agree? I just feel a little, little more at peace after spending that time in the presence. So now we'll go with the... With the word, and I want to talk to you now about the spiritual realm. So you have a little bit of space on your paper. If you have a pen, and if you have any kind of paper, try this. I'm going to give you about less than a minute. Try to draw a map of India. I'm pick a country that most of us. Have. How many have never heard of the country of India? Okay, we know India. Just just do a little outline there. Okay, think of India. What do you know about India? Curry? Gandhi? Hot? We know a few things. We would recognize a person if they came in here straight from from rural India today. A woman would be wearing a shari and, you know, they would have a certain color of skin. We'd recognize some of the culture of India. But some of us couldn't place it on a map. And some of us... You know, did you know that it borders on seven countries? Could you name four of them? Uh, So there's a lot we don't know. We have this vague familiarity with our planet and with the world. But if I drew a Mercator projection map with all the countries on it, probably most of us couldn't put, you know, a third of them, put the names on them. So, yeah, we're familiar, we travel, but yet we just get to a certain level of familiarity, and, and it's kind of vague. We don't have specifics. And what I'm saying is, it's, it's the same way with the spiritual realm. So here's a map, here's India. Did anybody get that right? That's the actual boundaries of India. How does your map compare? Who, who wants to show me what they drew? All right, look at this. Ooh, that's, yeah, that's good. Very good. All right. Okay. I should have a winning gift certificate for hot curry or something. So, but if we were to push it further, New Delhi, Delhi, Hyderabad, Mumbai, Kolkata. How many could put those cities on that map? Yeah. Well, I can because I work right beside there. (laughs) Underneath that Underneath that part that's kind of growing out there, that's the outline of Bangladesh. Bangladesh is kind of tucked under the uh, left arm of India there. So I'm pretty familiar with that country, but I wasn't. There was a time I, I wouldn't have been able to, to, uh, to show you any of that. So you see, we are familiar, but we're not. We don't even know what the boundaries are. So let's say you didn't know what the boundaries of Canada are, and all you knew that is if you went outside of Canada, you'd get arrested. Okay, but here you grew up in Leamington, or the area, and you knew that you couldn't go outside the boundaries of Canada, but nobody had ever told you what the boundaries are. You know, how confident would you be if, if you got on a plane? And, you know, you, if you start driving, there would be this kind of uh, fear of, how far should I go? Uh, is it safe here? And I want to declare to you this morning that I think that's the way many Christians interact with the spiritual world. We know it's there. We know it impacts us. We believe there's a heaven. Most of us believe there's a hell. We believe there's a throne of God. We, we've heard these things said and mentioned. We know they're real. Sometimes they in, in impact our life, but we really don't know where the boundaries are. We don't, we're, we're not that comfortable going there. To pray in faith or to, to declare something in faith that impacts the spiritual world. It's just, frankly, I can't see it. I'd just rather not have to deal with it. But when you understand, and that's where we're going this morning in the scriptures. When you understand the outline of what that world is, because it is in the Bible. When we understand that, we have confidence even when we can't see it. My wife and I, when we were new married, uh, moved to a new apartment, and shortly after, there was a power failure. But it was 28 floors, and the power failure occurred when I was inside the concrete staircase going down to the underground parking. That is the blackest moment of my life. I mean, physically. No light. There was no light. I I couldn't see my hand. And I remember going along the wall like this. There's there's an underground parking somewhere. You know, and about 20 minutes of this, the lights came on. I realized I was going the wrong way. (laughs) But in that moment, I knew where I was, but I had no idea where anything was. And you know, some Christians, their prayer life's no better than that. We're afraid to go there because... We don't know. But if I had known that building and where the staircase were and which direction you would go, even if there was a power failure, I I could feel my way through. But I had no picture in my mind of where I'm to go. So when I can't see, I'm paralyzed. So today what I want to do is give you a little picture so that your faith will be built. So we're going to go in a deep dive, but then we're going to come back and be practical. So here we go. Uh, The spiritual world, please pardon the graphics. This was done quite a few years ago, and I just didn't have the the heart to update it, but uh, the the information's there. Uh, The spiritual world, uh, two very important scriptures. You can write this down, read them later, but I'll read them quickly now. Hebrews 11.3 says, by faith we understand. Say that phrase with me. By faith we understand. Let me tell you, I want to preach this man. I want to preach this I'd like to spend the whole sermon here. There's no such thing as blind faith. Faith is what cures our blindness. Blindness is unbelief. There is blind presumption, but no such thing as blind faith. Faith is when we understand what God said about the world we can't see. And then faith gives us sight to deal with that world. And so the Bible makes it clear. It's by faith we understand what I'm about to tell you. That there is a world. That the universe was made by God's command. His word brought it into existence. And what we do see was made out of something we don't see. Which means what we don't see came before what we see. And is more powerful than what we see. You can't create something more powerful than you... You create something that's within the realm of your power. Colossians 1 16 says, by all him, by for, pardon me, for by him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. So even the invisible world was created at one time, there wasn't even the invisible world we're talking about. The spiritual realm and the powers, the structures, the authorities, they were put into place at some point by God himself. Now we're getting real deep, aren't we? We're getting deep. And, uh, but it's there. And so what do we know? What do we need to know? And what difference does it make? So... There are 3 heavens. Hello? Really? Paul the apostle says that there was a time when he was caught up into the third heaven. See, because this was a new covenant. In the old covenant there was hints. Remember what St. Augustine said? The old the new is in the old concealed, the old is in the new revealed. The truths that are plain to us on this side of the cross weren't plain to those people. They were looking at it from a distance. Yeah, there's, there's a savior, there's a kingdom, there's, there's redemption. Israel's going to come back. There was all these prophetic tidbits, and they were, they couldn't really piece it together. But there was all these hints. So when the new covenant came, the new relationship with Jesus, and I'm going to show you that that it made all the difference because now we have access into this heavenly realm like never before. So Paul, being the foundational teacher of the new covenant, God gave him an experience, according to 2 Corinthians 12, that maybe nobody else has had. He was literally caught up to the highest heaven and saw things that he couldn't even write down. And somehow, that made him able to persevere through anything in life and say, you know, frankly, I'm here in jail and that's okay. He says in Philippians, I'd rather be with Christ right now, but I'm going to stay here for your sake. You know, to want to stay alive is a powerful drive, but he had something even more powerful, to go back to that place he'd seen that just was incomparably better. And out of that place he'd seen came all of his teaching. Pretty pretty deep stuff. He says, I don't know if I was caught up in body or not. He says, I know a man, but of course he's talking about himself. His, the context is there. And so what is the third heaven? What is the second heaven? What is the first heaven? Well... Um, Susan's going to come up now and tell you, no, 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 we're going to get into that. (laughs) Let's go to the next slide and we'll, we'll find out. So Psalm 8, now I want to talk to you about Psalm 8 because the third heaven is where God dwells, the throne of God. The second heaven is the spiritual realm where the spirits of departed persons, angels and demons interact just next to the physical realm. And the first heaven is the sky. You see, in the Old Testament times, they saw the sky as actually literally a canopy. They thought it was a thing that was over the earth and looking up. And if you ever saw the movie, The Truman Show, they actually did that. There was that canopy. It's it's really cool. And uh, at one point, a light falls on him and he says, oh, this is all fake. And then he punches his way through but he had been living in this idea that he was under this canopy and it was the sky. Well, they thought that way in the Old Testament. So, and this is something we don't do enough of that they did all the time. And that is go outside at night without a lot of lights. Every night they saw a, star, a star-filled sky when, when it was uh, not moonlit. And even when it was moonlit. But they would see the sky as we rarely do. And David, who was a shepherd... In the flock, you know, um, looking after the flocks out in the field at night. He would have had hours and hours and hours looking at the sky. And one day he says, oh God, you've set your glory above the heavens. So he's trying to figure this out in Psalm 8.1. And in the blue part there, it says Psalm 8.3. That should be verse 5. So it should say 1 and then 5 and then 3. And in verse 3, he says, you know... You've put all the stars and everything in place. And then he says in verse 5. What is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man you care for him. You've made him a little lower than. It says gods. It could be Elohim. Meaning the Trinity. It could be heavenly beings. But here's what David was saying. He was saying. I know there is the heavenlies. We see the sun rise. We see the stars and the moon. But. You live beyond that. There is a glory beyond that. Yet I'm down here below the first heaven, but it's evident to me that people have this place between. He says, "Why? What, what's going on here? Because we have authority over this earth, but we're not exactly where you are. You've given us, you've given us this kind of spiritual authority, but I can't see it. It's beyond those twinkling stars. Think of a canopy. It's somewhere, just somewhere on the other side of that is where you've called me to live. And I'm trying to figure it out. And so David didn't have that revelation at that moment. But he's hinting intuitively that there's something in between the God that lives way out there and what we see. Now today, we have a better idea of the first heaven than the ancients did. But what's happened is, we've gone on such a wild goose chase trying to figure out the first heaven, we don't even know anything about what's beyond. So we go, oh, it's infinity, and there's a thousand universes, and now there's a multiverse. Do Do you know about the multiverse instead of the universe? It's a way to explain away God. So all of this came into being, and uh, you know, the probability is so remote. They say, well, Matt, now there's thousands of universes, so the probability is higher. But, you know, a bad argument doesn't become a good argument just because you wait longer. <laughs> you know, there has, be, there has to be a source. There has to be some, someone who started this, someone or something, and we know his name. And so we're lost in space, if you will... <laughs> And yet, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is near you. He came to earth and said, listen, I'm going to tell you about the spiritual world. It's like a seed. And that's where we started with Matthew 13. It's like a net. It's like a treasure. But it's it's here. It It can be within you. The spiritual realm isn't at the end of the journey of the first heaven. It's not like you have to, you know, ask Captain Kirk for a ride and when... You know, you get out there at uh, the, the whatever speed it is. I just remember the uh, movie where they had ridiculous speed and ludicrous speed. I think Tesla picked up on that. So, uh, you know, yeah, warp speed. There it is. It's not like you go warp speed and then, oh, now I'm at the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm's right here. It's right next to you. It's right beside the physical realm. And it's interacting. Some cultures believe that to a point of superstition where every sickness, you know, is a demon on you. We don't believe that, but it is there, and it is interacting. And so, last week, is everybody with me so far? Are we, okay. So last week, we talked about the devil. At one point, He was, and we're going to move ahead. We've got better graphics on that. Satan was the original worship leader around God's throne. We made that assertion because Ezekiel 28, according to scholars, uh, is speaking. The king of Tyre is speaking to Satan just like Jesus spoke to Satan through Peter when he was thinking and speaking based on Satan's thoughts. Uh, You know, he said, get behind me, Satan. So the same way there is this uh, declaration that you were... An anointed cherub who covers, I established you on the holy mountain amongst the fiery stones until iniquity was found in you. And then it talks about the timbrels and pipes and being a light bearer. So Satan had access to the very throne of God. And you see that in the book of Job where um, it says that people were coming before God. Or not people, beings were coming before God and Satan was there. But he was a double agent and he turned against God. And then he uh, was kicked out at some point. So he was kicked out, and, but he, dis- he, he stole the keys to get back in by deceiving Adam and Eve into sin. Because God said, okay, Satan, you've sinned. You no longer have, have the right to be here leading everyone in worship. Think of Revelation chapter 5 when they're worshiping around the throne. At one time, that was Satan's place to be leading that. Now he's kicked out. But then he comes and, and, and deceives the newbies. Adam and Eve were given authority over the earth. And he's, he basically said, now worship me. Deceives them into worshiping him and then gets their security card. And says, I'm gonna use it to get back into the, the throne room. Now we have an accuser up there instead of a worship leader. We have an accuser who's up there accusing us and trying to mess up the place, just like you would have an agent for a foreign country in the CIA or CSIS, that they're, they have their security pass, but their, their heart and their purpose is to wreck the place, it's to steal the secrets and destroy the purpose. And that is why the world is such a mess. And so Jesus said, pray your kingdom come, your will be done. So let's talk about how that can happen. And that's where I want you to turn to Revelation 12. So what happened with Jesus is the following. Jesus came and lived a perfect life. I told you this was deep today. He lived the perfect life that Adam and Eve couldn't. And then he won back the right to be in the throne of God for anyone who would believe in him. And it says he took the keys of heaven and hell, and when he rose from the grave... I don't know if you understand this. That's when Satan was kicked out of the throne of God for good. You never see him again up there. In the Old Testament, he's up there accusing. In the New Testament, you look up there, it's the saints worshiping. So what happened was we took back heaven. And that's why now we can pray like never before. And now, Revelation has so many confusing scriptures... Uh, but in the middle of it, and really, I can tell you the whole book of Revelation after chapter 4, 4 to 21 is this. There's a big rumble between good and evil, and the devil is mad because he knows his days are numbered, and we win in the end. Hallelujah. And God makes a heaven and earth. How about that, okay? That was the quickest I've ever preached through uh, 20 chapters of the Bible. But in the middle of it, there is the most understandable and explainable chapter, and it's chapter 12. Revelation isn't all sequential. It's like vignettes. You know a trailer of a movie where they just show you different shots to give you the feel of what the movie's like? That's what Revelation is. It isn't all sequential. But Revelation 12 is, and it tells you what it means. It says, A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. And she was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and, and uh, hurled them to earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so he might devour her, the, uh, devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1260 days. So let's interpret this, because it's interpreted um, uh, by the scripture itself. So the woman... If you go to your notes, the woman is Israel. Twelve stars represent the twelve tribes. She gave birth to a child. Who's that? Jesus. He came from the lineage of, of uh, Israel. The dragon is... Uh, this was typed for me today, and I did, or this week. I didn't proofread it. It's Satan, not, not Saren. It's Satan. Horns, crowns or kings, leaders, and nations he has used. That's consistent with the interpretation of scripture. A third of the angels went with him when he rebelled. So at one point when he rebelled, we had the biggest church split in history. Okay. I'm sorry. It was a worship leader. But Jeff, don't take this personally at all. That was terrible. Shouldn't even have said that. But we had heaven's worship leader says, no, I'm the guy. And a third of the angels said, yeah, yeah, actually, I like you. I'll go with you. Let's form a new party. And uh, these fallen angels became demonic force. Now, the good news about that is we're two to one in favor. Yes. If numbers count, we're two to one. Every time there's a demonic thing, call on two angels. (laughs) At least. And you're not even bothering anybody else. A third of the angels went with them. They're now demonic beings. Now, Jesus dies he's resurrected, and he's seated at the right hand of God. Isn't this easy? I wish all of Revelation was this easy to interpret. Then it says, the woman fled into the desert, a place prepared for her by God where she may be taken care of for 1260 days. Now, there's something called Occam's razor. She says, go to the easiest interpretation of something first. And this has been like, if anybody's into, you know, uh, prophetic stuff, they're talking about, well, that's three and a half years, and that's the first part of the, the tribulation. Anybody heard that kind of teaching before? Well, I'm, I'm going to just kind of stick a needle in that one today. Maybe, but we don't know. But we do know this, is that when the temple fell in A.D. 70, shortly after Jesus was resurrected, a few years later, the remaining... People in Israel, those that were in military authority, went to Masada and stayed about 1260 days. And it's in the desert. So that might, that actually might mean what it says. And that they literally went to the desert for a while. But it could also have prophetic significance. There's often double meanings to these things, a natural and a spiritual and that's that's uh, for another day. So then there was war. And there was war in heaven. So when Jesus rose from the dead with the keys... He walked over to Satan and they had this rumble. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back. But he, meaning the dragon, was not strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan. Who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say. I'll oh, we'll get to that in a moment. So, when Jesus went back, he had the right to say, this Throne room is for worshipers. Get out, stay out, never come back. You're down to the earth, meaning the second heaven and the earth. The spiritual realm, but not the throne room of God. Not that place of eternity and that place where God dwells. And so, I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now has come the salvation and the power and kingdom of our God kingdom and the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. So now heaven is happy. We're back to the way we should be. And verse 12, we'll come back to verse 11 at the end. Verse 12, rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them. Yeah, we kicked him out. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil's gone down to you, and he's filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. So verse 13, he pursues the woman. And I'm telling you, this deserves a whole week of study. Look at the irrational hatred towards the Jewish nation over the years. Not just the Holocaust, Uh, Go back in the medieval times where they were were completely kicked out of Europe the first time. Go back even before that where they were blamed for the uh, problems in in the Roman uh, times. There's just this irrational hatred. I know I grew up in a family that was bigoted. I didn't even understand. I just would parrot some of the things that were said by my parents. And when my parents were growing up, Jews weren't even allowed to live in certain uh, subdivisions. It was still marked off. This is, this is you know, in the 50s. And uh, there's this irrational hatred. It's demonically inspired. It's demonically inspired. I'm not defending political Israel and saying everything they do is blessed. I'm not saying that. We know from reading the Bible they've done a lot of bad things. But for the sake of Abraham, there's a call. And uh, so there's this irrational hatred about uh, against Israel. Room's getting quiet, but I'll keep moving. And the woman was given two wings of an eagle that she might fly to the place prepared for in the desert. Okay, so she's been protected. Israel is still a nation. It's crazy. If you know what happened in the 1800s, when, when people went to Israel, Palestine, they called it. They said it's an absolute desert, an absolute wasteland. And I think I'm losing power here, but we'll keep going it's an absolute wasteland but then um, there was certain people who said we're going to go back to our land hebrew was not used it was like latin they restored their language and their land it's never happened in history and soon they will restore to their lord They've restored to their language and their land, but they're also going to come back to their Lord. And so for the sake of election, Romans 9, we pray for them because they're the root, we're the branch. And regardless of what happens in political Israel, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem and we pray for God to awaken his people because that's the answer to the Middle East problem. Right now you have cousins fighting that both believe Abraham is their spiritual father And so we need the Savior. And he's going to come back one day and land on the Mount of Olives. This is mind-blowing. But in the meantime, the devil, because he can't kill the Jews, it says, Then the dragon was enraged at the woman, verse 17, and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring. Who's that? You and me. Those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Now, I have for 40 years worked with Voice of the Martyrs, Canada, and I am aware every week um, I receive information on persecution. I just got some videos, live persecution last week in the country I work, people getting beaten up because they tried to plant a church, and there have been more martyrs in the 20th century than in all of church history combined, and the devil is enraged that 2,000 years later, he can't stamp out this movement. If, if you couldn't get at someone you hated, but you could get at their kids, you say, yeah, now we're getting at the heart. And he hates God, and so he hates God's children. So where does that leave us? Certainly not at the end of the sermon. <laughs> 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 Woo, okay. Okay. Bring your head up, take a breath. That was like doing a deep dive without your scuba tank there. But that is where we're at. And so let's go um, back to these three heavens. So the devil no longer has access to the third heaven, Compare Job 1 with Revelation 4. He's roaming the earth incensed, and using his spiritual powers to deceive leaders and nations and people. He wants the nations because he believes that's the key to ruling the earth. But Jesus is the desire of nations, and he will come and one day he will rule all the nations. So there's this history of the earth. there's the battle for the for uh, this meta battle going on for nations, but there's also individual battles. And Satan takes great glee in taking down the children, of the Lord, but we have the power. He knows his time is short, and we know that we have the power. And where is that power? It's right there in Ephesians 2, verse 6. Let's read that together. If you have a Bible, I won't have it up on the screen, but I will read it for you. Ephesians 2. Okay, if you're trying to find it, that's on page 1140, okay, in my Bible. And uh, that was a poor attempt at humor. That didn't even get a snicker. In Ephesians 2, Paul is talking about salvation by grace through faith. And he says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Expressed in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Then the next verse we all know. For by grace you're saved through faith not of works. But really we ought to read the two verses before. Because it's saying you're not just saved from, from hell. You are positionally given a seat at the table in the third heaven. We can't see it yet. But Jesus is our example. In Hebrews, it says that he ever lives to pray for us, to make intercession. He's actually praying for us. And if you go to Revelation 5, it talks about the the prayers. There's bowls right in front of the throne that are the prayers of the saints. When you pray here on earth, sitting on these wonderfully comfortable wooden and fabric pews, (laughs) that was sarcasm, and um, when you sit here and pray, there is a bowl in heaven, in the third heaven, that's getting filled up. Heaven hears your prayers. It makes a difference in the most powerful room in the universe. And what, what good is it to put my prayer in a bowl? Well, it's that God is remembering for the right time. And at a certain time, he pours those out. Grace for those who believe. Judgment for those who don't. But we are adding to the weight and the force of, of God's eternal purposes every time we pray. I, I want to say it this way. Every time you pray, something happens. And if you know this... You don't get discouraged when you don't see it because you know it's being stored up. It's, it's going to add to the weight and power of God's glory somewhere, somehow. Every time you pray, something happens. And if you don't get the answer, what you pray, when you pray, don't worry. You haven't wasted your time. The enemy wants you to think you've wasted your time. And this is why Jesus told us to pray, your kingdom come. Because, I think we got that, yeah. There we go. Jesus said to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because Satan's been kicked out of heaven. So now the most powerful prayers is discerning what God is doing and saying. And then agreeing with him. And that brings all the victory of heaven down in little installments into our life. Bit by bit. But increasing until one day it it covers the earth. So... We, as C.S. Lewis says, I'd rather fail in, a, in an enterprise that will ultimately succeed than succeed in an enterprise that will ultimately fail. In other words, I would rather pray and never see an answer to any of my prayers and die knowing that I'm on the victory side and I've helped the victory. than have hollow success that dies with me of riches and whatever else that may be. Your prayers make a difference. I'm going to uh, finish. Uh, maybe the worship team can come up and get ready. Um, and don't play just yet, but get, get ready to play. I, I, want, I want us to do something about this today. And I'm just going to give you one personal example. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I became a Christian at 15 years old, and I had to stand in opposition to my family. I was called psychotic. I was told what's wrong with you? You need a balanced life and as a teenager I fought for the right to go to youth group. <laughs> it's kind of the other way around in some families, I know. But I I had met Jesus and I knew Israel. There was only one person in my family, extended family, and, you know, in my grandparents' generation, there were six brothers, seven sisters, aunt, uncle, aunt, uncle, times seven on both sides. It was just, I don't know who they were. There were so many of them. Couldn't ever keep track of the names. Only one knew Jesus. It was my grandmother's twin. And uh, Annie Marge. And we loved Annie Marge. She was the only one that was happy and laughing all the time. And uh, she loved us. And one day I was... Um, um, just saved, and she grabbed my hand at a family function, just squeezed it, and said, I pray for you every day. Blew my mind. Because I didn't know that anybody was happy about what had happened to me. Blew my mind. Well, Annie Marge lived in this town way outside of Toronto, where we were at the time, and um, she had one son, and she prayed for him to come back to the Lord and his name was Bob and she lived right next to the high school within a few yards could see it and she would look at the high school and pray for her son and uh when he was 20 graduated from high school before that and when he was 19 or 20 he was in a car accident and died so she never knew whether he was saved a few years later I was at her bedside as she was dying and um uh You know, she couldn't talk. I said, if you can hear me squeeze my hand, she did. And then I began to speak blessing into her life about, you know, that God's answered her prayers, don't worry. And, you know, you're going to see him on the other side. And then she passed on. So 10 years later, I got called to that same little town called Grimsby and moved a few yards away from where my great aunt lived. And all my kids went to the same school. excuse me, this isn't allergies. Uh, and so all my kids went there and one day a revival broke out in the high school. 17 kids over 17, over seven weeks started coming to our church and they wanted to sit in the front row. I'd get calls on a Saturday, Mr. Bone, this is Travis. I work with your daughter at Jumbo Video. Remember video stores, 20th century? And, uh, can I come to church? Uh, I have to think about it. Okay, I thought about it. And can I sit beside you because I don't know anyone? When when do unsaved kids from the school call the pastor and say, can I sit beside you because I don't know anyone? They came. They got saved. One's a pastor today. My wife was at his church last week listening to him preach. Now, I I can't prove this, but what I believe Let's get through this. Is that any any Marge's prayers? It's okay, I'm going to (laughs) live. Annie Marge's prayers were filling up that bowl. And she prayed 10 times as much as she probably needed to for her son. But they were all there. And... 30, 40 years later, a little bit of that was tipped over onto that school. And God took revenge on the work of the enemy. And instead of one son coming to the Lord, 17 did. You see, when you understand the dynamics stand with me, we're going, to st- we're going to start to worship please stand with me when you understand the dynamics of the spiritual realm the devil can't can't uh, mess with your prayers yeah, I may have sinned this week but Jesus has forgiven my sin so I'm going to pray anyways I'm going to pray just as strong I'm going to pray just as loud pray with just as much faith and if I don't see the answer to my prayers they're just going to increase it's like interest spiritual interest I'm depositing them in heaven's bank and if it doesn't happen if it doesn't get answered the way I asked it's going to be bigger God's delay is not God's denial every prayer is answered we just don't always see the breakthrough at the moment we want. And when we get to heaven, and when we get worshiping around the throne and the rewards are starting to be hand out, our minds will be blown at how much God remembered and acted on everything that we said and prayed. So I wanna encourage you, the whole point of this message is this, the devil's been kicked out of heaven. He's actually not there anymore. Jesus is there as the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, preparing a place for us. Don't, don't all these scriptures start to take on new meaning now. He's preparing a place for us in the Father's house with many mansions, and that place is a place where every prayer is answered the moment it's uttered, and in the meantime, we say, come kingdom, come power of God, come into my life, and let me show a little bit of a preview of what heaven can be like. Just close your eyes for a moment. Let's go after Let's go after unsaved family, backslidden people that used to come to church, children, cousins, mothers, brothers. If you have anybody you've been praying for, put up your hand, please, and let's come into agreement. Just hold it up, please. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come into agreement that just like Annie Marge's prayers landed with force years later, that every prayer that's been prayed here for those that we love will be answered with force and with power. We call in the very people and the names and faces that we're thinking of right now. We call them in. But even beyond that, Lord, let these prayers just spill over from that bowl in heaven and let the presence and power of God Touch not only those, not only those who we're praying for, but others around. Lord, take revenge on the work of the enemy in their lives by turning them into red-hot witness for you, Jesus. Turn it around and where there's been whew, where, where there's been destruction, bring power. Bring the answer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Let's finish with a song and let's sing it, imagining that it's going straight to the throne room as we sing. Go ahead.